Thank you for tuning in to the latest message from Island Church, Dundalk. The Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, is first seen in Genesis chapter 1 as the Spirit of God moves upon the face of the deep after the beginning of creation. So we see the first time we see the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost in operation, he's active. Everybody say active. Then in Acts chapter 1, we see on the day of Pentecost that the church was filled with the Holy Ghost and there was a tangible uh, manifestation of the Spirit of God in that people heard and saw what God was doing. So there was not only activity by the Holy Ghost, there's tangibility. So understand that, that is part of the ministry of God to us, God the Father, God the Word, God the Holy Spirit, and it's just unique that it's the Holy Spirit that has the ability to bring the Word of God into existence in our realm. He has access to this realm through us, through our spirit, man, so it's a legal access. You know, when a person is uh, uh, possessed by a devil, you know, the possession is not as rare as we think it is. I think a lot of people think, you know, to see demon possession, you have to go to some uh, dark country somewhere. That's not true. There's demon possession everywhere. And uh, it's just hidden more in some of the more modern countries than it is in some, in, in some of the uh, third world countries. But there's demon possession everywhere out there. But demon possession is illegal. It is not legal for a demon to possess a human spirit or human body. That's illegal. So everything the enemy does is not legal. It's illegal. And we are blessed to live under the law of the spirit of life in Christ. So we must enforce the law of the spirit of life in Christ against the law of sin and death. If we don't, who will? You say, what do you mean by that? If we don't push back against darkness, who will? Amen. Well, pastor, I just feel that all churches are pushing it back against the darkness. No, a lot of them are the darkness. No amens on that one, huh? Okay, we'll work on that a while. You say, Pastor, aren't all churches good? Aren't all churches of God? No, they're not. A lot of churches are just religious organizations guarding doctrines of ancient, you know, ancient uh, uh, times and times past where people may have had a move of God and then lost it, but they're still celebrating what God did 100 years ago, 200 years ago, instead of pressing into what God's doing today. Amen? Here's the thing about the Holy Ghost. He never quits moving. He never quits being tangible. It's people that quit moving. You know, back in the, back in the uh, turn of the 20th century, 1900, you could count the people on one hand that had the baptism of the Holy Ghost or were seeking it. Amen? Really, one man in particular, William Seymour, he was a, a, a black gentleman in America, had one eye, and, and something got into him and he just began a search. He started up in around, I think around Tennessee or Kentucky or somewhere, came back down into the Houston area, then went out to California to a place called Azusa, which is a little, a little uh, a, a town outside of Los Angeles. Now it's all just big one conglomo out there, you know. But, uh, but, but in Azusa, they rent, rented a little building that would seat about 800 people, and it had two levels to it. It had a place upstairs, a place downstairs, and they basically rented that building and prayed for almost three months before anything happened. They were in there praying, and they weren't praying in tongues. They were just praying. Lord, we, there's something out there. We know there's something out there. We want it. 
We want what's out there. We want what we haven't received yet. And God baptized them in the Holy Ghost and people started coming from all over the world to be baptized in the Holy Ghost in the great Azusa Street Revival. Amen. So, so the, the Holy Ghost never quits moving. Men quit moving. Uh, when I was in Bible school, uh, uh, Pastor John Osteen was my pastor and he, he, he said, you know, moves of God in revivals, he said every denomination, Every religious organization that, that claims Christianity as its basis started with something God was doing. But then God, God backed away from it when man put his hands on it. Once man says, well, I want to control this, I want to organize this, I want to I do this, I want to do that, the, the Spirit of God just leaves it and goes somewhere else and finds somewhere else where it, where it has the liberty to move. Amen. Now here in Acts chapter 1, let's look first of all. Look at verse 4. This is a powerful scripture here. It says, in being assembled, now notice the word assembled, being assembled together with them, commanded them. Now, do you notice that? And I don't know why it's got to be the devil blinding the eyes of God's people to scripture and the word of God, but I don't know why people, uh, especially in ministry, uh, ministers that go off to seminary and study the Bible for, for years at a time, hours a day, they go right past the scripture and never read it or never understand what it says. Because Jesus being what? Assembled, not gathered together with them, assembled together with them. You know the difference between, see, I can go, out, I can go outside and I, and I can gather a bunch of junk. I can go, you know, find, a, find some, some old pipe, you know, somewhere down the road here and up the road over here. I can find a couple of old sinks or something and I can gather a bunch of stuff together. That doesn't mean it's going to function. But if I assemble something, that means every part connects to the other part. And we see in this scripture that the main what would you call sprocket of Christianity that must be assembled with the body of Christ is Jesus. He is the head of the church, Matthew 16. He said, upon the rock of who I am in you, I will build the church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Hallelujah. Amen. But then there's that next word, which is a very powerful word. It says, in being assembled together with them, commanded them, commanded them. Amen. So you've got to understand the instruction of the Lord Jesus Christ anytime in the word of God when you see him speaking, that command is for the church. That command is for the body of Christ. That command just wasn't for the 12 or for the 11 that was left after the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. That command is for every whosoever that calls on the name of the Lord. Now, let me help you with this. This will help you doctrinally. We know the doctrine of baptisms. It's revealed in Hebrews chapter 6, part of the six basic doctrines of Christ. The doctrine of baptisms is unique because in the body of Christ, there are three distinct and separate baptisms. Number one and the most important is baptism into the body of Christ. That's called the new birth. That's called salvation. Everybody, any whosoever that can call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And salvation is an invitation to the world. But notice, it's an invitation to the world. Come meet Jesus. Come see Jesus. Come experience his goodness. Come experience his peace. Come experience his healing power. Come experience his joy. Come experience his right. You know, come, not just, don't, don't just hear about Jesus. Experience Jesus. You know, that's what makes us unique among, among all religions. 
All religions have a philosophy of their religion, which means there is information printed in which you can pick up and read and understand what they believe, how they believe it, and who they believe in. Amen? But none of them have any demonstration side to it. I've never heard a testimony of an, of an individual that got up and said, well, you know, uh, man, I was diagnosed with cancer about six months ago, but I went down to the, to the, uh, to the mosque and, and an imam laid hands on me and thank God uh, Muhammad healed me. Have you ever heard it? Why have you never heard it? It's never happened. It's never happened. I've never heard anybody say, oh, well, our marriage was in the divorce court and, and we didn't know what to do. So we turned to the teachings of Buddha and it changed our lives and saved our marriage. I've never heard it. The reason is, is there's no power behind it. There's no authority behind it. And because there's no power behind it and no authority behind it, there's no ability behind it. But being assembled together with us so he's assembled together, not with unbelievers. He's assembled together with the believer. And being assembled together as with the believer, he takes his place at the head of the church and reserves his right to command. A pastor cannot command you. An apostle cannot command you. Uh, an evangelist or a, or, or, or a prophet cannot command you. But listen, Jesus Christ retains the right to command you. And there are commands unique to how you serve God that if you do not, do not obey those commands, it's not gonna work for you at all. Number one, his, anybody know his number one command? Love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength and with all your soul and then love your neighbor as you love yourself. He's talking about three different dimensions of the agape of God. Amen? Love God. A lot of people have a hard time loving God because he's not in the natural realm. Well, how do you obey God? How do you love God? Does anybody know how to obey God? How to love? Does anybody know how to love God? If you love me, if you love me, Jesus is saying that. If you love me, then you'll do what? You'll obey my commandments. So proof of your love is your willingness to obey commandments. Amen? I mean, it, it really, I've, I've heard people talk about, about how much they love the Lord. And everybody's got, a, you know, an old Uncle Bob or an Uncle John somewhere that, oh, they don't go to church and they don't, they don't support missions and they don't give tithes and they don't read their Bible, but you, they really do love God. No, they don't. You know, and I, I've always gotten criticized for, saying, for telling the truth. But it's the truth. They don't love God. They may think about God, they may know there is a God, but they don't love God because they don't keep his commandments. Did you know today that you have exercised an act of love toward God? Did you know that? Today. Does anybody know what it is? You came to church. You assembled, you forsook not the assembling of yourself together. You know, there were people that probably should be in this meeting this morning and got up and probably thought, well, I may go or I may not go and talked themselves out of it. And what they did is they forsook God. Because if you could be here and you're not here, then you have forsaken the assembly of yourself together. 
You know, I think many times what we do is we want to pacify people and try to make everybody feel okay about themselves and so we don't teach the greater truths of the Word of God because the greater truths of the Word of God put a demand upon you. They put a demand of righteousness, of holiness, of order, of sanctity, of everything that's right about God that makes the church the entity in the earth that is the expression of God. That's how God touches people. And so many times we sit back and we kind of, we're kind of, we're kind of, how, how can you say, it? we're kind of complacent or apathetic in our obedience because we don't realize the full weight of what it means to obey God and receive the blessing and the full weight of that which means you disobey God. And it's not that God punishes you in your disobedience. Actually, we're living in a time called the acceptable year of the Lord where God is not pouring out judgment on anybody. You got quiet in here. Well, I thought God was judging the earth right now. No, God's not judging the earth because you're here. And God's not going to judge his body twice. He's already done it upon the cross. So we're not going to be here during the judgment of this earth of seven-year tribulation. You say, are you post-trib, pre-trib, or, 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 or mid-trib? Right, listen, Jesus, Jesus is on the earth in the form of a message and, and in the entity of the church. And Jesus has already died. He's already suffered. He's already been judged. And when he died, you died. When he suffered, you suffered. And when he was judged, you were judged. So when judgment comes up on this earth, you're not gonna be here because God is not judging his son twice. Amen. So when you realize that, you realize how important it is to serve God because you stand outside of the realm of judgment. Now, let me just say this. This is a little off, off our subject, but this may help you. Things are coming upon the earth now. And if you're not careful, you may, make, you may conclude in your own heart, man, God, is, this is judgment. It's not judgment. It's not judgment. It's the wage of sin. You say, what do you mean by the, the Bible says the wages of sin is what? Death, what is death? Separation. The further people get from God, that wage of sin is paid more and more and what looks like maybe judgment is not judgment, it's the wage of sin. I remember when the, the, the AIDS virus was uh, discovered or whatever they did with it, but you know, it was predominantly among the homosexual community. Drug, drug, drug addict community, people that use needles and stuff like that. And there were a lot of preachers getting up saying, well, it's about time God has finally judged the homosexual community. No, he did not. God loves the homosexual community. Can I get a better amen than that? He loves every one of them. He gave his son for them. He does not like their sin. He does not like their iniquity, but he loves them. And he did not judge them, but the wage of their sin opened the door to that terrible disease, wiping a bunch of them out. It's the same way today. So when you see things happening, I heard somebody say about Ukraine, oh, God is judging Ukraine. No, he's not judging Ukraine. He's not judging Ukraine. There's not judgment upon the earth right now. Everybody say, thank God. Thank God. Now, being assembled together with them, commanded them, now what is the command? Wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, you've heard of me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Now notice the three baptism. Baptism into the body of Christ, that is salvation, that is the new birth. Baptism in the Holy Ghost is the endowment of power. Everybody say power. power. 
Then there, then there is baptism in water, which is the outward showing of the inward grace you have received through salvation. Amen. I've been baptized in water four times. I don't think that it's some you know, ordinance that needs to be practiced over and over and over. Here's what I was taught. I thought it was very good. I thought it was very wise because our pastor was a very wise pastor. He said, this is Pastor J.R. Goodwin I grew up under as a child. He said, you should be water baptized. Every Christian should be water baptized. He says, now if you get away from God and you're not serving him and you return to God as a prodigal and repent, you ought to just go and get baptized again for your own sake. Not that the first one didn't work, but for your own heart, for your own sake. Well, I did when I got back to the Lord. I, I got baptized again at a church there in Galveston. They had a water baptismal service. So I went and got water baptized. But then about four months later, I found myself in the Jordan River in Israel. And I thought, well, this is a good place. As this. So I got baptized again because I thought it was cool to get baptized in the Jordan River. Amen. So everybody say baptism in water. But now he's not talking about the baptism in water or the new birth. Now, he retains the right to command those that belong to him. So we see that salvation is an invitation to any whosoever that would call on the name of the Lord. Are we good? The baptism of the Holy Ghost is not an invitation. The baptism of the Holy Ghost is a command from your Lord and your Savior and your King and your Commander, Jesus Christ. He commands believers to be baptized in the Holy Ghost or to be endued with power. Now let me just say this. I've heard people say this many times in teaching on this subject. Pastor Jim, Pastor Ryan could probably relate to the same thing. Well, isn't there power in the new birth? Yes, there's power. There's all kinds of power in the new birth. I mean, when I got born again, there were things I stopped doing, places I quit going, things I started doing, places I started going. There was a radical change on the inside. There was a change in my mindset. Sure, there's power in the new birth, but obviously, according to Jesus, the head of the church, there is a dimension of power unavailable to those that are just born again. So those that are born again to receive the fullness of the power, the power I like to say it like this, the power that abides, amen, and then the power that comes upon us. The power that abides, that's the new birth. And then the Holy Ghost that comes upon us that empowers us for service in the kingdom. Everybody say service in the kingdom. You know, Jesus never did a, a miracle, a, a, a healed anybody or, or, or anything till he was baptized in the Jordan River and the Holy Ghost came on. Somebody said to me, well, couldn't have Jesus done, 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 uh, done a miracle anytime, anyplace? No, he couldn't have because he was not on the earth as God on the earth. He was on the earth as son of man. And as son of man, he had no special anointing. He had no special power. But that day he was baptized in the Jordan. The Holy Ghost came down upon him in full measure. It's what it says in John chapter 3. That he received the Spirit without measure. See, we get it by measure. Uh, everyone gets their measure, gets their measure, gets their measure, gets their measure. But see that when we come together in faith and in unity, then we have a greater measure. And God can work in even a more powerful way. One of the books I like to read over and over, and I've read it over and over many times, is called I Believe in Miracles by Catherine Kuhlman. Catherine Kuhlman was a lady, a woman evangelist in the, uh, in the uh, United States uh, from the late 40s uh, through the mid-70s when she went on to heaven to be with the Lord. 
Uh, she had a very powerful healing ministry. Thousands would gather in her meetings and phenomenal, phenomenal miracles would take place. But she would say this. She would always, always, always in her meetings do everything possible to make the auditorium or the, or the convention center or the hotel ballroom, usually holding 3,000 to 50,000 people, to make it a place that was conducive to the moving of the Holy Ghost. And anything in that place, and what was amazing about her is she had such keen sense of the Spirit, she could walk around that platform and pick out anything that was causing the Holy Ghost not to move in any less power than it should. My mom sang in her choir. My dad ushered in her meetings when they would come to Houston. When I was about 13 or 14, she held a, held a meeting in what was called the Hoffines Pavilion, which was a, on a college campus there in, in, in Houston, Texas, University of Houston College campus. I'd say 15, 20,000 people were there. Well, I was there, and my, of course, I was unsupervised. So, 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 so you know, 15-year-old kid, and I found another 15-year-old kid unsupervised. And so I'm up there. I put a, a quarter in a Coke machine at the very top of that auditorium, you know, 100 yards, 100, you know, yards from, from, from where the platform was, and it didn't give, me, didn't give me my Dr. Pepper, didn't give me my drink. So the guy I was with put a quarter and didn't give him his drink. So we're up there rocking the, uh, the, the Coke machine back and forth. Well, Ms. Kuhlman didn't like that. So she pointed up to the top and said, see those two young men up there? Somebody make them stop pushing that Coke machine around. Well, I want you to know, I almost ran out the door. <laughs> Amen. Her book, this is what I found amazing. Every time I read her book, I see something different. In my last reading, now remember this. This will, this will help you understand. She never boasted of a gift. She never said, I'm an apostle, or I'm a prophet, or I'm an evangelist, or a pastor, or teacher. She never said that, and she would not allow anyone to call her an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, or teacher. She wouldn't let anybody do it. She labeled herself the handmaiden of the Lord. That's what she called herself. I'm just the handmaiden of the Lord. She actually said this in her book. She said that God offered that ministry to two different men and they said no. So he, they, God offered it to her. It cost her her marriage. But what she said was so powerful. This was in the testimonies of people that received miracles Tumors that would disappear, cripples that would walk, blind eyes that would open. But this is what was said. I thought it was so good. No one ever said it was because of the anointing on her. They never said it was the gift that was on her. This is what they said. This is what the people would say. They would say, when Miss Kuhlman came out and took the service and began to worship God, the Holy Ghost fell and I received my miracle. Showing us that all we need is some type of platform where the Spirit of God can move. And if we can produce a platform where the Spirit of God can move, we can be equipped with the same thing the first church was equipped with, which was the signs, the wonders. You remember what they prayed when they got persecuted? They didn't pray, Lord, take the persecutors away. 
They prayed for more of what caused the persecution. What caused the persecution was the miracle that took place at the beautiful gate at the temple in Acts chapter three. And when they got arrested and put in jail for it, the church prayed like this, behold their threatenings. Grant unto thy servants that with all boldness we may speak your word by stretching forth your hand to heal. Let signs and wonders be done in the name of your holy child Jesus. So they, they knew that the signs and wonders were the battering ram for the door of utterance. One miracle in this church can flip this town upside down. Two or three miracles in this nation can flip this nation upside down. Amen? But somebody's gonna have to believe God for it and somebody's gonna have to contend for it and we begin by obeying the scriptures and being what? Baptized in the Holy Ghost just like Jesus commanded us. Amen. Now go down to Acts chapter eight. Acts chapter eight, but you shall receive. Notice the word there. I'll let you get over there. No, Acts chapter one, verse eight. It says, you shall receive power. Now notice this, after. Everybody say after. So there's, there, that, that confirms what I said earlier. There is a dimension of power unavailable to those that are just born again. Now let me say that again. There is a dimension of power unavailable to those that are just born again. So you need to be what? You need to be baptized. You're baptized into the body of Christ. You came by an invitation. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You came, you bowed your knee to Jesus. You believed in your heart, you confessed with your mouth, God raised Jesus from the dead and all of a sudden a recreation took place on the inside of you and you became a new creature in Christ and honey, that takes some power. That's the power of the resurrection bringing you back into union with God. But then God says, man, those, that, that's my children. They're, they're not just my servants like Israel was. They are my children. I live in them, I abide in them. I better get them some power or the devil is gonna destroy them. You shall receive power, what? After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be. Notice it did not say you shall do. It said you shall be. Now this is an element that we must understand of how God moves into our lives and takes over. One, one, one week, come on. <laughs> he takes over to the extent that we let him take over. The more we yield, the more he fills. The more we yield, the more he fills. The more we yield, the more he fills. A yielded heart can receive full measures of the glory of God, but our problem is being yielded because of our flesh and our minds. Many times it's difficult to yield to the Lord. Can I get a better amen? But notice what makes it easy to yield. It's difficult to yield to something you have to do but it's easy to yield to who you are. Now let me say that again. It's difficult to yield to something you have to do, but it's easy. Now think about how easy it is to yield to who you are, and the Bible says you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you to be. We have too many Christians trying to do and not enough Christians being. 
Pastor, why do you go to church so much? It's natural for me because I be. Why do you pray so much? It's natural to me because I be. Are you with me? See, it's an identity. Yeah, we, have, we have some handsome men. We have some, some beautiful women here this morning. I, I, I trust you did not get up and, and agonize in the mirror about your identity this morning. Oh, I, I hope I'm the same woman I was yesterday. I hope I'm the same man I was. No, you probably didn't even question yourself. Amen? No, you just, you just, be, you just begin to, to, to function during your day. You got up, begin your day. You never even considered what you be. I like what one preacher said. He said, if you see who you be, it will change what you do. And when you receive the Holy Ghost, it is literally an identity power that comes into you that helps you to see yourself not male, not female, not Irish, not American, not African, not anything else other than in Christ. It removes all prejudice and it levels the playing field for every person. Only God is the true liberator of people. Amen? So you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be, your identity shall be secured. You will know you are in Christ. You will know you are saved. You will know you are filled with the Holy Ghost. You will have a knowledge of that and an understanding of that. You shall be, everybody say be. You shall be what? Witnesses, evidence producers. You want your life to produce, to produce, now listen, you want your life to produce evidence of your relationship with God. Isn't that cool? You say, why is that? Because God produces supernaturally in your life. You can produce naturally. Get a job, marry a wife, have kids, marry a husband. There's a natural production of life upon the earth. But when you get born again, and you get filled with the Holy Ghost, that production goes from the natural level to the supernatural level. You go from a natural being to a supernatural being. You go from just an old beat up Christian hardly knowing anything to more than a conqueror in Christ because God's put his power upon your life. There was a man in England back in the, I believe he passed, went to heaven in 1948. Powerful ministry. Several people raised from the dead in his ministry. His name was Smith Wigglesworth. And he was a man that would get up every morning and pray a couple of hours in the spirit, in other tongues. One day, in reading one of his books, he said one day he heard a commotion down in his basement. He said he walked down the stairs and he looked in his basement and he said there stood Satan in his basement. Wigglesworth said he did this. He looked at him and said, oh, it's just you. Walk back up the stairs. Amen. How could you do that? You're filled with the Holy Ghost, full of the power of God. See, what's unique about your faith, you can build your faith, but your faith receives an energetic charge by praying in the Holy Ghost, Jude chapter 20. I mean, excuse me, Jude verse 20. Building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, amen? Now, let's go real quick, how's my time? Oh my Lord, y'all's clocks move faster over here for some reason. Romans chapter eight, quickly, and we'll, we'll close and pray for just a moment. Let me encourage the pastors and ministers here, and let me encourage everyone that attends a church here, pray. Pray. Increase prayer in your churches. Increase prayer in your life. 
Pray in the Spirit. Pray in other tongues. Pray. Pray and you'll know what to do. So I don't, I don't know what to do about all this stuff. Pray and you'll know what to do. So I, I don't know what to do about COVID, about vaccines. I don't know. Pray and you'll know what to do. You don't need a pastor to tell you. You don't need, you don't need a doctor. To, the Holy Ghost will tell you what to do. Can I get a better amen than that? And then the things that are coming, you really need the Holy Ghost to tell you what to do. Amen? I've heard of people talking about, you know, I mean, I'm talking about ministers talking about, well, you know, man, I'm talk, time's going to get tough in the cities and, and we're going we're gonna to buy some, some land outside so we can, you know, if anything happens, you know, we can run and, and we can hide out. Listen, you know, if you're called to a city, if you're called to people, you got to stay with those people no matter what. We had a horrible storm uh, destroy our city. I didn't say, well, I'm going to go build me a church somewhere else. I had to go back, back to the destroyed church and re- believe God to rebuild it. It took some power. It took some faith. But we can't abandon the masses in their most dire hour. So I have no plans to run from coming disaster. As a matter of fact, I'm going to run to it so I can be a help to people. Amen? Hallelujah. Now, here we are in Romans chapter 8. Let's go there to verse, uh, let's just start in verse 26. It says, likewise the Spirit, everybody say the Spirit. Hallelujah. Likewise the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities or our weakness. Now, notice this. For we know not what we should pray as we ought. One translation says this, we know not what to pray for and we don't even know how to pray for it. Don't know what, don't know how. Don't know what, don't know how. You ever been like that in your life? Have a situation you thought, how in the world am I gonna pray for that? How do you pray over that? Don't even know how to pray over that. Yes, you do. Pray in other tongues. You pray in the spirit. Amen. Let me, let me, I was going to turn over and read it, but for time's sake, I, 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 I figured I'd just tell it to you. The story there in the, in the, in the book of Acts, uh, Acts 12 and 13, right in there, uh, Peter had been thrown in prison, and they had killed James with a sword, and it looked like, you know, things were getting pretty tough for the move of God. Now, the church began to pray when Peter was in prison. And we know the story, an angel came and had to kick him in the side and wake him up and brought him out, came out the door and all that. And then he goes to the house where they're praying and he knocks on the door. And a girl named Rhoda opens the door and sees it's Peter and goes in and tells the leadership and everybody, Peter's standing at the door. You know what they said? They said, it's his ghost or an angel. Well, they were really in faith, weren't they? Here's the deal. They didn't, know not, they didn't know what to pray nor how to pray. So what do you think that group of believers was doing in that room praying for Peter? They're praying in other tongues. They're praying in the Spirit. Amen. So it helps our weakness, our infirmities. We don't, don't know how to pray. All of us have weaknesses in prayer. We all have weaknesses in our faith. So the Spirit of God or the Holy Ghost is our helper. Go over there. If you, do, if you get a chance, go over there to, to John chapter uh, uh, John chapter. Uh, uh, 14, study that chapter where it talks about receiving the comforter or the Holy Ghost. Go into the Amplified and look at what it says the Holy Ghost is. He is our comforter. He is our counselor. He is our strengthener. He is our standby. He is our intercessor. He is our helper. Well, I read that. I believed it. 
And I could give you testimony after testimony how God has helped me in crusades, has helped me in conferences, has helped me pastor a church. But I tell you what, I got a bunch of testimonies about how God, is, God helped me one time by the Holy Ghost put a gun back together. You gotta realize I'm from Texas, so we, we talk about guns a lot, amen? I had an old shotgun I'd been duck hunting with and it got, got dumped out of a boat into the marsh so it needed to be totally taken apart and cleaned. And so, you know, I never thought anything about it. I just took it all apart, cleaned it all up. Then I thought, I gotta put it back together. First time I put it back together, I had four parts left over. <laughs> and it didn't work. <laughs> and so I put it together again. I had parts left over, put it together again. And so I got so frustrated and the Spirit of God said, why don't you pray? And I thought, God doesn't care anything about that. And the Lord said, why don't you pray? So I went in my prayer room and I prayed for 30 minutes. And after 30 minutes, I went and I set every part of that gun on my table and assembled it back together perfectly. And I gave all the glory to the Holy Ghost. He showed me exactly how to put that gun back together. You say, well, that doesn't mean, it didn't mean something to me. Because we can talk about all the big things the Holy Ghost does to help us. But I'm telling you, it's all them little things the Holy, that he becomes more real and more real and more real. Because when you talk about it doing it in the crusade or in the church, it's all corporate. But there's something very personal about the Spirit of God. And he wants to, listen, he can help you be a better father, a better mother, a better businessman, a better employer. Better at anything, he can help you supernaturally. I don't know who that was for, but that'll help you if you listen to it. Likewise, the Spirit, likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit, now look, if you've got a King James and it says itself, please write, scratch that out and write himself. Because the Holy Ghost is not an it, it's a him. The Spirit himself, everybody say himself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now notice this. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Now, a lot of people get hung up in that part that talks about with groanings that cannot be uttered, which is a very poor translation out of the Greek. The Greek word for this that replaces that phrase literally means to speak in inarticulate, inarticulate speech that is not known to your mind. A language foreign to your mind. Now, 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 now this is something where people get really confused and they, they pray in tongues for five minutes or they speak a couple of phrases and then their mind just talks them out of it. Has that ever happened to you? And you thought... You know, I, I was going to pray in tongues one day for, for an hour and, and I prayed as long as I could. I looked at the clock, it was two minutes. <laughs> Anybody ever know what I'm talking about? Well, here's the thing. When you are baptized in the Holy Ghost, when the Spirit of God comes upon you, it's evidence of several things. Number one, I like this one the best. You say, what is it? Number one, it is evident that you are truly born again. You say, why? Because the Spirit of God cannot abide in a temple that has not been cleansed by the blood. I should have got a better amen than that. 
The Spirit of God will not abide in a temple that has not been cleansed by the blood. And thank God, according to Hebrews 9, verse 12, not by the blood of bulls and goats, but by his own blood, he entered once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. And because of that, the temple has been cleansed. And finally, for the first time, God abides where he wants to in the heart of his creation. That's why you're a son or a daughter of God. Because it's the same spirit. But now this, this, this tongues thing becomes a hindrance to those that don't get a lot of teaching on it. Because if you don't have information or knowledge, then, then it's foreign to you. The initial evidence of the baptism in the Holy Ghost is your ability to speak in a language that you have not intellectually learned. A language foreign to your... Now, people would say, well, why would God do that? Number one, he doesn't want you talking to him out of your mind. You say, why? Because your mind is the enemy of God. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians that it is what? It is an enmity. It is something that God cannot take and use because your mind remains in a fallen state and must be renewed by the word of God. So our language, our speech is very unique in creation. No other animals have a language. There's no, there's no, when a cow says moo, another cow hears Moo. That's profound, isn't it? Isn't that profound? When a cow hears moo, another cow hears moo. Now, there are tones and inflections that mean different things to different animals. I, I, like I say, I've been a, a duck hunter, a waterfowl guy. I learned how to, to call. I have, when I go duck hunting, I have like six calls that hang around my neck. All of them are unique to the different species of waterfowl that I hunt. I see a particular type of bird go by, I pick up that call, I hit that call a certain way, that bird will respond. He'll, he'll come back around and see where that, that noise, but I'm not saying something to him like, hey, come on down here, everything's all right. These are all your buddies and friends while your relatives are down here. Come on down here. No, I'm not saying that. I blow on a duck car, it goes, Wah. that duck hears, Wah. that's all he hears. But now we're different in that we have the ability to assimilate thought and then wrap a language around that thought and communicate that thought so that that thought communicated registers on the one that hears it so that they understand what my thought was. I can look at Jim and I see these black shoes with this white rim and I can, you know, I'm up here preaching. I'm thinking, oh, this is some cool shoes, man. I'm gonna see where find out where you go. So I'm, I'm thinking about that, thinking about that. It's just thought right now because I'm up here teaching and preaching so I don't want to get in a conversation with him about shoes. But I see the shoe. I see the, I see the, uh, uh, how they're, how they're uh, laced. I see the, uh, the leather on, how it looks. Oh, man, those are nice shoes. So at the end of the service, you know, we, we fellowship. We, so I find Jim and I, hey, Jim, those are nice shoes. Did you buy them somewhere in Limerick? I'd like to get me a pair of them. So automatically, uh, he understands. He knows I'm not, I'm not talking about the weather. He knows I'm not talking about some football. He knows I'm talking about his shoes because I've been able to assimilate and transmit something to him. 
proof that my speaking faculties were connected to my intellect because of my intellect's ability to assimilate that thought and transmit it to Jim. Jim goes, hmm, Rusty likes my shoes. And see, we take that so for granted because we do that every day, everywhere we go with everyone we meet. We're doing it all day long. It's part of our nature. But the phenomenon and the miracle of the baptism of the Holy Ghost is the ability of God to disconnect your tongue from your intellect. Now, that's an amazing power of your tongue. Did you know your tongue has a disconnect ability? Amen? Have you ever said, you ever said something that later you thought, if I'd have thought about that, I'd have never said that. Well, that's proof you didn't think about it. That your tongue was not connected to your intellect or to your mind. Have you ever said something under the influence? That's just the whiskey talking. You're exactly right. The whiskey has come in, overridden your mind, connected itself to your tongue, and now you're whiskey talking. You ever had any whiskey talking going on? You can always tell the guys that we always have deep scars next to our eyes where we got knocked upside the head because we said something stupid drinking whiskey. You know, y'all know the deal. You know, beer makes you, uh, uh, beer makes you stupid. Wine makes you philosophical. And whiskey makes you violent. <laughs> Amen. But that shows you can get under the influence of, how about anger? You ever said something because you're angry? Thought, no, I should have never said that. Proof that your tongue disconnected from your eye. How about disappointment or pain or any other thing you can think of that disconnect, your tongue just disconnects and connects to that and that begins to speak. Well, God knew that. So in the baptism of the Holy Ghost, the real miracle that takes place is that God disconnects your tongue from your intellect and your mind and he hooks it to your human spirit where the spirit of God abides. And then it wants to do what? Your human spirit wants to speak to its father. But it does not want to speak in a language that can be, that can be, that can be violated. Now listen to me. Or in any way altered to mean something that it doesn't need. So God gave you a pure language. When you got the Holy Ghost, you got a pure language. You say, what do you mean by that? It communicates to God without the interruption of your adversary. That's why you need to learn, learn. Prayer is an acquired skill. You don't just pray because you got saved. Prayer is something that you have to acquire the skill of doing and then you have to practice it every day. Literally every day, I am in an attitude of prayer all day long, which means at any moment I can flip over into either praying in the spirit or praying about a particular situation I'm involved in. Amen? So notice it helps our weakness and it helps our infirmities. Now let me close with this. This is, the one, this is the one I wanted to get to this morning right here. Now notice, let me read it together so you'll get the full impact and then we'll, we'll, we'll pray a couple of minutes and go home. Come back tonight. Anybody coming back tonight? Yes. Now notice what it says. Verse 26, Likewise the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth, knoweth, what, knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Now here we go. And we know. Now notice the word that begins the, the, the Scripture there in verse 28. 
and is a conjunction connecting this thought to everything else that's fixing to be said. So he just talked about being filled with the Holy Ghost, praying in other tongues. The reason is you don't know how nor what to pray. It's gonna help your weakness. It's gonna help your infirmity. You're gonna speak directly to God. You're not gonna be interrupted by the devil. He doesn't know what you're praying about because God has given you a pure language. Therefore, when you pray in tongues, verse 28 belongs to you. Now let me say this again because this scripture is lifted up out of context. All denominations, all, all, they all preach. All things work together for your good. That's not true. All things do not work together for your good. You walk out the, you walk out the, you walk out the door there and a car hits you, you break your leg. Well, let's go and work together for our good. No, you got a broken leg. <laughs> and I trust some good will come out of it, Amen. But he qualifies those in whom all things will work together for their good. Let me try that again. He qualifies those. He says, here's the group of people. These people have a promise of God. Now notice, he says this. Let me find it here. It says, and we know that all things, everybody say all things. Everybody say all things. Say all things. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. Well, how can it work together for my good? It's so destructive. Were you praying in the Holy Ghost? Were you praying in the Spirit? Have you been practicing a lifestyle of growing in God and learning and acquiring the skill to pray so that when you pray in the Holy Ghost, you have confidence that anything that happens in your life, God can take and pick you up out of that and make it work together for your good. Amen? See, a lot of times we just, we just pull Scripture out and think we can make it say anything that we want to. But remember what, what, what Paul told Timothy. First of all, he said this, study. And there's a lot more to that than just the, the study like a student would study a, uh, would study a, uh, a textbook of a particular course. Uh, I heard somebody, they talked about, uh, they made a study of, uh, of this reef off of Australia. It was a documentary I watched by that French, uh, what was his name, uh, Jacques Cousteau. And they made a study of the Great Barrier Reef. Well, they did more than just pull out a book and read it. They did a full-scale investigation that cost millions and millions of dollars. Out of it, they produced a book and they produced a documentary film of their study of the Great Barrier Reef. You know, their, great, their study of the Great Barrier Reef was their lifestyle for three years. They lived on a boat. They dove the reef. They connected all the, uh, the information and the evidence until they had compiled what they called a study of the Great Barrier Reef. You can go probably get online or go buy the book and go read and next thing you know, all the expertise that that, that, that famous uh, marine biologist had gathered, now it belongs to you. Amen? 
because he made a study. Now, the Bible says, especially to ministers, to study. That's not just to read and to study. That's to explore the depths and the dimensions of the Word of God in your life, the depths and the dimensions of the Spirit of God in your life. Truly study the Word of God line upon line, precept upon precept. Learn the Word. Meditate upon the Word. Memorize the Word. Have the Word taught to you. But listen, when it comes right down to it, what God wants to do is to take that Word on the inside of you and add the element of the Holy Ghost to it so that that Word can become creative in your life and as you speak the word with faith in your heart, believe it in your heart, speaking it with your mouth, the Holy Ghost is on standby to react according to that what that word says or to bring it to pass. In these last days, our dependency on the Holy, the Holy Spirit needs to grow in tandem with our knowledge of the word of God so we don't end up deceived by some crazy manifestation. Jesus said in John chapter 12, excuse me, in John chapter seven, he said, those that believe on me as the scriptures hath said. So that gives us not only our boundaries, it also gives, it also gives us dimensions. Now, Many times in Ireland I have had to teach along these lines because as we have come to Ireland over the years, especially back in the early days, we would come and manifestations would begin to happen that were not of God. We saw statues that would cry, rocks that would move, all kinds. It wasn't God. People were, people, people were touting. It was in the Irish press of one particular time in the, in the early 90s of some rock that was moving in some graveyard around here or something. And that, it was in the paper as being a, a, some type of miraculous thing. And thousands of people were going down there to view that thing. Wasn't God. Wasn't God. You say, well, how will we know, Pastor? He that believeth on me as the Scriptures has said, that which the Word of God appropriates, grace has provided, the Holy Ghost brings into our life by the faith of God that is in our heart, and it will line up with the Word of God. Amen. I watched an incident when I was a young minister in Bible school. The church that I belonged to, I felt was very safe. The pastor was very wise. But still, we had an incident in the church where a minister came. And honey, you ain't never seen a manifestation like that. Her side bled, bled, blood running out her side, blood running out her hands, blood running out of her head, blood running out of her feet. Everybody say, it's God, it's God, it's God. It wasn't God. It wasn't God. A uh, 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 manifestation of what you would think was the word of knowledge, a spiritual gift in which God gives knowledge. I watched this, this, this lady. She would go throughout the crowd. There was probably 5,000 people there. She'd pick out one here, pick out one there, pick out one there, bring them all up. There were 17 people lined up up front and then she would go to one and say, blue, green, red, black, blue, brown, green, red. Then she'd go to each one and say, what color is your checkbook? Blue. What color did I tell you? Blue. What color is your checkbook? Red. What color did I tell you? Red. Got everyone right. The whole crowd was going, ooh. Ah. Then she said this. There's an angel of prosperity hovering over these 17 people. And if they will write me the largest check they can, God will bless them with abundant prosperity. Did you know they all wrote the biggest check they could? That went on for months. 
until finally some people prayed and interceded and some people with a camera who knew about photography were able to catch the lie that was being told. And God was able to purge that out. You say, well, wasn't that God? Wasn't that God? No, it's not God. Why am I getting off on this? Another minister I was in a meeting with that I had some apprehension about. Flowing in the gifts of the Spirit, supposedly, would begin these amazing uh, 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 breakdowns of people's life. You know, you're Bob Jones. You live at, you live at 2516 Elm Street in, in Salem, Oregon. Uh, uh, you've been diagnosed with a, with a bad back and you, and you have a corn on your foot. I mean, you say, well, that's gotta be God. That's not God. You say, well, pastor, I've seen you call people up. But here's the thing. The Holy Ghost does not impart impart. Why does he need to know his name's Bob Jones? He already knows that. See, if we're not careful, so careful, how can we stay careful? We've got to pray in the Holy Ghost. We've got to stick with the Word of God. You say, well, what kind of miracles and signs and wonders can we expect? The same kind that are in the Bible. If there's a miracle that manifests that doesn't do anything for people, it's not of God. God does signs and wonders to show us the days and the seasons, that which is coming, that which has been in the past. I mean, just this last, uh, not this last year, year before, we had the Bethlehem star up here. Wow, it hadn't appeared in 2,000 years. That's a sign. That's a sign. These blood moons, they have all the signals, the sign. Jesus is coming back. Jesus, but in the midst of the body of Christ, we're believing God supernaturally. People will get saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, healed in their bodies, that the gifts of the Spirit, the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, discerning of spirits, special faith, working, gifts of healing, working of miracles, tongues, interpretation of tongues, prophecy would be in manifestation so people would see the true and real supernatural of God. When we first came to Ireland, uh, it was unusual. There was a lot of not a lot, but a, a group of people that would come through Ireland called faith healers. Do y'all remember that? It was back in the late 80s, early 90s, and these people would rent like a hotel ballroom and they would gather a crowd and they would do what was called faith healing. Did you know none of that was of God? Did you know that was awful? You say, well, I saw somebody got healed. No, you got deceived thinking somebody was healed. That's what it is. It's, it, it's all smoke and mirrors. It's all, uh, I even heard the testimony of a, of a man. He lost his wife and he was a minister and he was very distraught and somebody gave him a card on the street and it said something like, you know, are you depressed or something? Come to this. And so he went and he said it was a theater, theater. It was very dark. He said it was full of people and he said a man came up on the stage that was in a, had a tall top hat and was dressed in a long trench coat that went all the way to the floor. He said that man moved off the platform and came down the aisle right to him, never took a step. He said he floated off the platform, came right to him and stood right there in front of him. Named his wife, named how she died. Then he said this, she's coming right down the aisle to speak to you now. Said That pastor said, when he said that, I got up and ran out of there. He said, I knew it wasn't God. Because my, my wife was not in that theater. My wife was in heaven because the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with Christ. 
See, we have to stick so close to the letter of the word of God. Well, pastor, what kind of miracles can we expect? Signs, wonders, miracles, people being healed, people being set free, people being delivered, cripples walking, blind eyes open. The problem is don't relegate that to some crusade in some country somewhere. It happens all the time in the hearts and lives of people that believe and expect it to happen. And praying in the Holy Ghost and obeying these scriptures being filled, it creates that expectancy and creates that atmosphere. So let's lift our hands. Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Are you filled with the Holy Ghost? Every day you should be filled with the Spirit. You say, well, how do I do that? By yielding yourself. And here's what I want you to do. Most of you, if I said, okay, guys, let's all just pray in tongues for a couple of minutes, most of you could, 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 could go ahead and pray in a, in a language, amen? But here's what I want you to do. It's like anything else that you learn and become proficient in. When I, when I give you the signal, I want you to close your eyes and whatever you can pray in the Holy Ghost, if you're baptized in the Holy Ghost, you let that come out of you and you let it come up out of your mouth and you begin to speak this. But here's what you do. Give it more volume. Give it more strength. Give it more power. And as you do that, concentrate on Jesus and what he will do is he will help you to develop that language so he can bring you on to other, language that will, other languages that will help you in other areas. Amen? So let's all lift our hands. Before we do it, let's pray. Father, I thank you right now for the new birth. Oh, my. We don't have to die and go to hell. We don't have to be judged by God. The blood of Jesus has cleansed us from all sin and unrighteousness. Please, Lord, don't let us take that for granted. What a great power was released through the new birth. When you raised your son Jesus from the dead, that great demonstration of the power of God toward usward who believe according to the working of that mighty power. But Father, we're talking about the baptism in the Holy Ghost, the endowment of power, that which Jesus commanded us to receive. Therefore today, here in Dundalk, Ireland, a group of us have gathered. We are your church here. Spirit of God, you abide on the inside. You empower us. So we yield to you today. We asked that our faith would be built up upon, that you would fill us with the Holy Ghost, charge the battery of our spirit man, that we might be energized supernaturally to walk in overcoming. Now lift your hands. Maybe softly and quietly begin. Now just give it a little more. Give it a little more volume. Give it a little more strength. 
Boramasa keri dosa tara mahasa. E brende bakasasa. E riba kisa terebada. O rabaso keri momama hasiki nebadai. Bandara bakasuri ate mandia. O bandare bedesura bapa para kereke peristiri etere non dalaka. Arana nama kara tia su tereboda. Haroko reneni la mana sita. Arara kara su terebodai. Andala makosu kere dia dalama sikere badi andala maha. E rebeke su terebababa. E romoko sikere badi arara la Mesikiri dienda le nota bara kere to aroko parisa kira ni namande suria pa kere dara erarara ke se kere barando romanoko riyabara de surbete herakira barando lo monose erebe kere beriarara basikere boda haroko sunda le mani irakira bata sutere boda bandara makabra pangidai paria para sutere monani apa bandara bakotere bodanda le nia andara bakasete rebe diabara ke erake terebe de sutere banda arakitere boda Surabaya, Pandana Maka Ba 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 Deke de Puete Ti Patari Akai Bandele Nama Arabaka Barati Atereke E Rebeke Bareti Atarano O Rakia Parata Sutermeni Igarando Ramo Sato Roboko Co Cocaradia Bara de Lemonana Di Siti de Badia Bara Paranana Makata Akara Dabai Baranana Aracatarata Sikarada Aropara Aropara Baropara Ninamata Aricarede E Mamamana Siporcula Hamani Apakarada, Haparanina Ramadete, Heramanina Ralabata, Haragata Ramana, Heragiba Rasutera Monana, Hebrobo, Heboki, Pan, Wapaki, Anne, Nane, Meme, Wepe, Wapakia, Kayeke, Wapate, Enene, Neke, Ete, Ebe, Esi, Akari, Atandalana, Obora Kiriti, Arana Manane, Ekere, Nene, Mene, Herida Ralabaki, Suterabora, Haroko, Terebari, Karida, Naramana, Heriba, Kosuterabodo, Ora Suterabote. Erebete sutereba kasu keteba Oremane su ketebete Ereba dasu bada kesete debete Thank you Lord That's all right, that's all right, that's all right There you go In the name of Jesus In the name of Jesus you let her go now in Jesus' name. Let her go. Let her go in Jesus' name. There you go. There you go. Now take a breath. Take a breath. No, no, no. You let her go. You don't fool me. You don't fool me. You don't fool me. There you go. You let her go now in Jesus' name. There you go. There you go. Now take a deep breath. Don't say nothing. Take a deep breath. There you go. There you go. Now take another one. Now, freedom. Freedom in the name of Jesus. Freedom. Freedom in Jesus' name. Take another deep breath with me. There you go. You better? Isn't that better? <laughs> Hallelujah. I tell you the Holy Ghost, He doesn't like He He doesn't like devils around. So when, when you start praying in the Holy Ghost, the devils they'll start running. Amen. Now come on, keep praying. Keep praying. Keep praying. Come on. Keep praying. Keep praying. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. So pate so pa ke so te debota. Para karen nele meni so prate so patesta. 
Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Now let's use this as a teaching moment. Don't go out of here saying somebody that was possessed of the devil got delivered because they didn't. Because she was not possessed of a devil. Devils oppress us. There was an oppressing spirit on her. I saw it the first night we walked in here. I saw it on her the first night we walked in here. An oppressing, not, she's not possessed by the devil. Possession is ownership. She belongs to Jesus. But see, spirits can oppress. You know what oppress means? To push down, to press down. Have you been oppressed, depressed? And see, that's all lifted off of you now. Addiction, <laughs> Addiction broken. Praise God. Whatever it was that was addicting, you don't have to have it no more. Amen? Jesus is your Lord and Savior, right? Say he is. Say he is. See, she couldn't say that if she wasn't born again. So who owns her? Jesus does. But see, sometimes we get oppressed by spirits. And if we allow spirits to oppress us, we can become obsessed with that oppression. That's where addictions seem to be real strong. That's where it seems like we can't get over depression. It's because we are obsessed with that oppression. And that's when we need a little help. So what happens, see the devil always overplays his hand. We start praying in the Holy Ghost and that devil that's oppressing her was like, I want out of here, but the only way I can get out of here is to come through her. So she began to manifest that. We just laid hands on her, spoke the name of Jesus and it just lifted right off. Don't you even feel better right now? Even feel lighter right now? Of course you do. <laughs> she got delivered. Isn't that good? Just what we were preaching about. Just what we were talking about. When an oppressive spirit that someone that obsesses somebody, they get delivered. Now you watch today how you don't, you won't have an appetite for that addiction anymore. You watch today those thoughts that have been coming through your mind and just weighing you down and making you, and they're not going to be there anymore because that spirit is gone. Now if he tries to come back, what are you going to do? You're going to tell him no in Jesus' name. Say that with me. Say no in Jesus' name. Say it again. No in Jesus' name. There you go. Isn't that simple? Hallelujah. One more time, lift your hands and worship God. Father, we worship you this morning. Oh, we thank you for your spirit. <laughs> thank you for your power, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You know, we did, we did, we've seen, I've seen demon possession here in, in Ireland. We were in, uh, we were in Donegal. And we'd been ministering for several years in a home group there and we decided to do a meeting to do a uh, uh, uh lease a hotel ballroom and go in and do a meeting. So we brought, I think we brought the praise team from here in Dundalk. We headed over there. And uh, we had about 60 chairs in a little hotel ballroom that's about, about, about this big right here. And so everybody, every seat was, was, was full. And I noticed a young man walk through the back door. And when he walked through the back door, he couldn't have weighed 90 pounds. He was thin as a rail, and what was the, what was, you remember, uh, 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 goth. Yes. Yeah, the, uh, uh, kind of, y'all you know what goth means? That, that's kind of what he was, he was kind of this. And, and so he stepped into that meeting, and he stepped in right as I was stepping up in the pulpit. And when his eyes hit mine, there were five big Irishmen sitting on the rows right there. He screamed, 
When he screamed, they jumped up and grabbed him by his arms. He couldn't weigh 90 pounds. He flung them like you would fling a napkin against the walls. I mean, they hit the walls. Boom, boom. I mean, the crowd, they stood up, backed up. I jumped off the platform. I grabbed him by his head. I said, in the name of Jesus, in the name of, you come out of this kid right now in Jesus' name. And man, his eyes rolled up in his head. He began to shake. All of a sudden, he came to himself. When he came to himself, I said, say this right now. He said, what do I say? I said, say, Jesus, you're my Lord and my Savior. He said, Jesus, you're my Lord and my Savior. I put my hands on him and he fell in slow motion. When he hit the ground, he was speaking in other tongues. After the service that night, his mother invited us to come to their home, for, for not for fellowship or anything. He wanted, he told his mother, I want those, those people to come to my room and get the devil out of my room because there's a devil in my room. We walked in his room. There was a devil in his room. We got that devil out of his room. And for years I heard about that guy. For years I saw him. He's probably still around, delivered, saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, doing the will of God in Ireland. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Thank God for the Spirit of God. And when the time comes, if you have to do it, the Spirit of God will come on you. And that's, I think that's what we think many times about, well, if I could just feel it. We don't live in that type of dispensation. When we feel it, we live in a dispensation where we believe it by faith. And because we believe it by faith, we know. So no matter what kind of danger you may find yourself in in the next few weeks, months, or years, you have the greater one on the inside of you. And you pray in the Holy Ghost and God will make sure you walk the right streets, you drive the right roads, you buy the right things, you go to the right places. And when you hear things that are being done, you'll know right from wrong, lies from truth. And the spirit, the spirit of truth, hallelujah, for in the days ahead you must hear from your heart you must hear from the spirit of God that abides on the inside and empowers you for that guide on the inside will cause you to miss much of the tragedy and much of the drama that is coming upon this earth as you weave your way through these things you will be a witness for me a light in the midst of darkness and you will avoid the danger and the destruction that is coming upon this world for you are my child and I have put my spirit within you and upon you. Hallelujah. So fear not. Fear not that which may be coming upon the earth. Amen. You glad you came to church this morning? Am I going over 30 minutes? <laughs> Lift your hands. You want me to dismiss? You want to do it? You good? All right, Father, thank you so much for this morning. Father, in anticipation of tonight, we rejoice. And we thank you, Father, that your spirit is stirring among us. People are being set free. People are being delivered. And Father, we thank you. The Holy Ghost is filling our hearts and our lives. Thank you for this evening. We ask you, Lord, by faith, for your presence to be real and tangible in this place. Spirit of God, we invite you into this auditorium tonight to manifest yourself in a way that will bring refreshing, blessing, deliverance, and healing to all that need it. And make the Word of God understandable and digestible in our heart so that we grow and mature in the things of God. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. And Father, for our afternoon, we claim Psalms 91. We thank you no evil befalls us. No plague comes nigh us. 
Thank you for sweet fellowship and great blessing. In Jesus' name. And everyone says? Amen. Amen. God bless you. See you tonight at 7. God bless you. We are so glad you could join us for our latest message. We are located right in the center of the town and we would love for you to call in and see us. Details are on our website at islandchurchdundalk.ie.